few months ago, in the depths of winter and at the height of the second wave of the pandemic in this country, I preached a sermon talking about hope and optimism and how those were two very different things. I've been thinking about that quite a lot, and particularly in this period of Eastertide, which is itself a period of transition, a period from Jesus' earthly life, through the crucifixion, through the resurrection, and now as we await his ascension into heaven. And I've been particularly thinking about it in the past few days, because on Friday morning, two of those transitional events which hold up that prism of the present through which we see both the past and the future in a different way, occurred to me. The first, as Rob just told you, is that I passed my two-week uh, point from my second vaccination. But the second was that that same morning we held a funeral service for my mother-in-law in North Carolina. She'd been ill for some while. She died a few weeks ago. But with the lifting of the restrictions, this was a time that we could bring the family and her friends together in church. Two transitional events which look at both the past and the future at this moment in the present. On one level, the first of those, the vaccination, was for me unalloyed joy. It was a lightness of heart. It felt miraculous. If the pandemic itself is a sign of a disordered world, of a broken world, then the promise that the vaccine brings is, for me at least, something of God. It is something of healing in that. And a funeral service, it's the closing of a chapter. It's the turning of a page, there's sadness at the loss. It was a beautiful service in a sun-drenched sun sanctuary of a, an old Methodist church. There were lots of people there together. But something, someone was missing. And yet, in terms of hope and optimism, both are actually remarkably similar events. For the vaccine, for me, yes, a lightness of heart. But think back those four or five months when the numbers in this country were dreadful, and more particularly and pertinently right now, look to a country like India, where the numbers still are dreadful. This was a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing. And it looks like in many ways it may continue to be a terrible thing. And yet, while there is no cause for optimism, there is cause for hope. It's a hope that we're going to have to make work partly through supporting those in the medical profession, the researchers, the nurses, the doctors, everybody who administers the vaccine, but also by talking to people about why this is a good thing to do, why this is the right thing to do, why this actually is potentially something from God. For me, certainly something from God. It requires us to work on it. Hope requires work. It's not that easy lift of optimism. And at the same time, with my mother-in-law, with Phyllis, to give her a name, 
there is also hope. There's the hope that we have of everlasting life, but there was more hope in that church as well, that the memories that she had made would not die, but live on in her family and in her friends and in those around her. And also at this transitional time of Eastertide, as we think about death, resurrection and ascension, we have that hope. So again, not optimism, but hopefulness, real hope. I've talked about two individual things, but I want to talk about one communal thing, one thing that many of us in this church do together, and that's sacred ground. This again brings into contrast hope and optimism. Certainly based on the past 400 years, not to mention the past year, there is not really great grounds for optimism. But there is great grounds for hope. As those of us who've been part of the program have looked at this, have examined the facts around us, have examined very importantly what goes on inside us, I certainly begin to feel some type of transformation, some type of transition. Not optimism, but hope, but hope which has to be worked on and worked on by all of us. As we come to the end of this program, the question has to be what next? How do we reach out from here to help racial justice, to help racial reconciliation? And yes, to help ourselves. To help ourselves understand what we have been, the structures in which we live, and what we might do to change them. And where does the hope come from in this? Well, in a sense, there is no better reading than the reading from Acts. There is something amazing about the book of Acts. It is filled with life. There are strains of Christianity some of them slightly strange ones, which pull huge energy from the book of Revelation. But there are other strains of Christianity which pull huge affirmative energy from the book of Acts. It's just the way it moves, the way the spirit moves in the book of Acts, the way people, generosity bubbles up inside them. And this hope in something which is to come. The story of the Ethiopian eunuch is particularly apt because we're told he had been up to Jerusalem, he had worshipped, he was reading the scriptures, he was coming back. A straightforward story, actually not a straightforward story. Deuteronomy 23 makes completely clear that anybody like a eunuch who is emasculated cannot be a full part of the assembly of Israel. He's allowed to worship, but he can't truly be there. He's a second-class citizen. And also, he's Ethiopian. He's not from the same race, whatever race means in this context, as the Jews. He comes from the edge of the known world, as the Greeks used to call it at that point. And yet, he is reading the scriptures. 
he is reading from the prophet Isaiah, and the passage that he's reading is about the suffering servant. And if there were ever a line which was appropriate in our transitional quest, in our quest for hope, it's this from Isaiah. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. In the last session that we did of Sacred Ground, we looked at the melting pot, a story which seems incredibly American, which is affirmative, everybody coming together, leaving out, leaving away, putting away their former ethnicities and becoming Americans. And what we learned, however, if we didn't know it before, was that this was a melting pot for some, but not for everybody. The story of incarceration of what happened to the 13th Amendment after particularly the end, uh, uh, the period in the 1870s, after the Civil War, the use of incarceration to recreate the economic benefits of slavery was something which was, to me, staggering, something which still continues in some ways. And also looking at other aspects of the melting pot, of the GI Bill, which helped my wife's father get a university education, maybe helped your parents, was largely closed to African Americans. The story of the American dream and buying your own house, we looked at redlining. Again, keeping African Americans out of the story. There is much in the past to be sad about. There is much in the past to repent of. There is much work which needs to be done. And yet this story in Acts points us forward, as does the gospel. The gospel talks about Jesus as the vine. The church is not the vine. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches which grow off that, all of us grow off that vine. There is in that sense no intermediary. And if we are to solve the problems that are around us, we need to understand that we will all grow off that vine or we won't. We will become those dead branches. But there is hope there. There is hope in this because Philip explains what Isaiah is saying. Philip explains the scriptures and they stop right there, find the first bit of water they can, and he's baptized. It's open to him. He's no longer a second-class citizen. He's no longer a victim. He's no longer somebody kept at arm's length. He is a full member of the body of Christ. He is a branch on that vine. And that is the opportunity which is open to all of us to welcome others, to recognize that we are all branches on that vine, there is much to be done. There is much to be sorrowful about. There still is. There always will be. There is work to be done. But there is much hope. And that hope is what we carry forward. That hope is what we must work on. But that hope is not something beyond reach. Because with the Spirit of God, the Spirit 
who guided Philip, the spirit who guided the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and the spirit who guides us all will lead us there if we let the spirit do that. Amen.